Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you didn't even bother to run a candidate? What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, November 6th, 2015. Have you heard about the Lonesome Loser edition of the show, where we talk about the Democrats and why they're just such fucking pussies? Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you this week by The Little Engine That Couldn't, a children's book on the value of just giving up. It's important for today's children to learn the lesson that sometimes, most of the time, you just shouldn't bother. The Little Engine That Couldn't introduces us to Ernie the Engine, who never once thought he could get his load up the mountain and just rusted away in the train yard. Life is hard, you probably won't win, so don't even bother, be like Ernie the Engine. If you would like to sponsor the show, yeah, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Nothing I can do is going to change your mind. Go ahead. You are such a loser, good for you. It's something that a lot of people can't do. Trying is hard, that's why people don't do it. Losing is hard, they can't make it through it. But not you. You are such a loser. You are such a loser. Here's to you. There was an election this week. Really, not in Canada or Cote d'Ivoire or any place weird like that, but right in here in the good old U.S. of America. And it wasn't a good election, one where we elect the dude who runs the joint. Though, hey, come next year, we might not elect a dude. It could be a chick. It was in one of those those sucky elections where we elect a bunch of Tea Party window lickers to Congress. No, this was one of the really shitty elections where we elect dog catchers, sewer commissioners, and governors in some of the less exciting states like Kentucky and Virginia. Boring! God, I know. How do you think the people who live there feel? These off-year elections are barely noticed, even at the local level. There was probably one in your town, and you didn't even know about it. So it's not surprising they're decided by the roughly 11 people who actually turn out to vote in them. And I, I don't mean that they're decided by 11 votes. What I mean is that they are decided by the 11 people combined in the entire United States who show up to actually vote in them. Now, I'm not sure who these people are, what they do for a living, but it's clear they don't have a Netflix subscription or anything, my God. But when turnouts are this small, it it goes without seeing that for the Democrats, things, they don't go well. (laughs) Oh, that's the best.
best laugh in all of movie history. I mean, okay, non-presidential years rarely go well for the party outside of the White House, but since the election of 2008, the Democrats have lost over 900 state legislature seats, 12 governorships, 69 House seats, and 13 Senate seats. That's not to mention all the dog catchers and sewer commissioners that turned over. And when you look at a map of the country with an overlay of the electoral composition of the governments, it looks like the Kool-Aid man tried to break through a titanium wall. Oh, yeah! It's a lot of red. I mean ginger convention red. With the exception of the usual suspect states, New York, California, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, and a smattering of those other off-brand states that we tend to forget vote Democrat every year, America, in, by and large, is dominated by Republicans, and not the kind of Republicans you could have a conversation with, either. You know, the ones who want a fiscally responsible government and to let people get on with their lives. No, most of the people that are running the governments out on the flyover are what we call values voters. He's a family man. He's a Christian. Yeah. He doesn't believe in abortion. He doesn't believe in homosexuality. Or what you and I would call dangerous fucking nut jobs. The kind of people who run for and vote in school board elections. The kind of people who successfully lobby to get books containing the word cervix banned from high school's reading list. Mom! Dad! It's evil! I only wish I was making that last one up, but there's a woman in T Tennessee who is literally trying to get a book banned from the high school reading list because it has cervix in it, which, to be fair, are evil and you shouldn't touch them. When it comes to local and state elections, Democrats are just <laughs> they're just getting their asses kicked. And I'm not quite sure why. I mean, every single poll and survey returns the same results. America is not quite as insular or polarized as our election results imply. Strongly red states are infused with blue voters and vice versa. So a, a true electoral map is sort of a rich purple, like... Bob Ross painting a late afternoon sunset. Just make up little stories. This is your this is your world, so however you want it. And yet we still have the angry white people power running the governments. So I gotta stop and ask, what the fuck? Well, I I guess we gotta spend a few minutes talking about the way we elect our politicians in America. Jesus, 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 Jesus. First of all, the entire way we vote is designed to be as inconvenient, time-consuming, and fucking annoying as possible. And we start by selecting random locations in a neighborhood or districts that are chosen not for their accessibility, but mostly for their obscurity. The John Jacob Astor Middle School Auditorium in the Chester A. Arthur Middle School Gym. Located, the booths are located in the Dale Earnhardt Jr. weight room behind the ballet studio near the locker rooms next to the place where we store the gym mats. And that's not a location that people go unless they are a janitor, a student looking to get a quick hummer, or a teacher looking to blaze a J between four, before fourth period. And once you arrive at the Dale Earnhardt Jr. weight room and ballet studio, you're greeted by Betty Perkis, the polling place supervisor. Betty has been supervising this particular polling place since the Roosevelt administration. Teddy, not Franklin. 
Apparently, they store her in some sort of cryotube between elections. And she will examine your identification with those big, thick Coke bottle glasses that very old people wear, and sometimes me. And she is going to peer at it like she's never seen anything like it before. And you better have ID if you want to vote in a red state. Because you're just not going to, you know, unless, of course, you're white. After she's checked your ID and cross-referenced your name against the register of voter, which is printed on a ream of dot matrix printer paper, so illegible that it's possible the names are just nothing more than a list of my old Dungeons & Dragons characters from 1983. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons & Dragons. After Betty has checked your ID for about an hour and cross-referenced my old D&D characters, she will direct you to the voting machines. Now, these come in one of two varieties. There is the sleek, state-of-the-art electronic voting machine with a touchscreen and a helpful animated interface called Rushy, who strangely vaguely resembles an AM radio talk show host. And Rushy will guide you through the voting process. It sounds remarkably like this. Hello! It looks as though you are trying to vote Republican. Would you like some help with that? To which you will reply, No, no, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm trying to vote Democrat. Hello! It looks as though you are trying to vote Republican. Would you like help with that? And that will continue until you finally break down and vote for a Republican, just to shut fucking Rushy up. Thanks to Rushy, I voted for Mike Huckabee three times. Should you live in a district that is not funded by the Koch brothers, you will be guided towards the classic model of the voting machine, which is actually a slab of stone with the candidates' names engraved on it. You'll be given a chisel, sent in, and told to make your selection for your candidate of choice. Of course, the Republicans are all down at eye level, and the Democrats are actually 14 feet up the slab of stone, but at least they're on the ballot. Once you have voted for your candidate, or at least you think you voted for your candidate, you can leave the booth, and Betty will give you a sticker which will plausibly excuse you for all the work that you've missed that morning while doing your civic duty. Needless to say, the entire voting process takes slightly longer than renewing your driver's license at the DMV or trying to pick up a package at the post office, so most people can only deal with it once every four years if they have any hope at all of preserving their sanity. I mean, of course, even if you were so inclined to experience the joys of American democracy once every two years instead of every four, the choice of candidates aren't exactly exciting. Face it, the sort of people who run for aldermen of West Crotch Rot, Kentucky, are not the kind of people you want to spend a lot of time with. They're obsessed with things like, I don't know, pothole repair, which you couldn't give a shit about unless the pothole is actually on your street. And when was the last time you've had a 45-minute conversation about pothole repair, or what's worse, budgeting for pothole repair? I am so... The only thing worse than having that conversation is listening to a campaign speech about that conversation. The only time local elections are remotely exciting is when some very interesting people decide they need to inflict their particular and very bizarre ideals of governance on you. I'm BasilMarceau.com, the Republican candidate for governor. 
I'd like to recall all permits and registrations for guns. Everyone can carry guns. If you kill someone, no, you get murdered. You go to jail. And uh, I'd like to put plant grass or vegetation across the state or any vacant lot and sell it for gas so we can use it, use it for our expenses. Also, I'm going to remove all gold fringe flags from the state and fly the real flag with three stripes. I also want to stop traffic stops, set it up like the Supreme Court rule in Nose versus Iowa. You can't find evidence in a car, you can't look. Oh, God, go online and watch all of Basil Marceau's speech. Basil ran for governor in the state, governor in the state that I was born in, and I've never been prouder to be born in the state of Tennessee. And since most of us weren't paying attention to local politics, these interesting people somehow find their way into office. Shit, do you think anyone listened to the crazy shit Michelle Bachman said before she was elected? No! So the crazies slip in on a local level and begin to climb the ranks of the party from West Crotch Rot to Crotch Rot County to the 3rd District of Kentucky State House to the 3rd District of Kentucky Congressional Delegate. And before long, they're one of 90 people running for president on the Republican ticket, all of whom are just as crazy as the next, and all of whom could have been stopped if just one person would have listened to them when they were running in West Crotch Rot. Putting it another way, Kim Davis was elected and re-elected by the voters of Rowan County, Kentucky, not because she's a particularly good county clerk, but because her name was on the ballot and the two people who showed up to vote in the county were Kim and her son, both of whom worked at the county clerk's office. Now we come to the geography of the voting districts themselves, a process so complex that quantum physicists are studying it to better understand illogical structures that can only exist at a subatomic level or on a voting district map. How we draw voting districts is a direct result of how politics work in America. Both parties sit down at a table and do their very best to fuck the voters really hard and really long so that they can stay in power. The process is called gerrymandering after a noted politician called gerrymander who devised the system after getting shit-faced on whiskey and trying to put together a jigsaw puzzle. When he woke up the next morning and saw that somehow he'd successfully completed an image where no two pieces actually fit in the same way that they were supposed to yet had the puzzle, he realized he could use this to keep the people so goddamn confused that they weren't sure who they were voting for or where they should even be voting. All of this is based on an economics, racial, and ideological grounds so that huge swaths of rich white people in Location A are not counterbalanced by a swath of poor, say, African Americans in Location B, but paired with another rich white swath of people in Location K even though they are 47 miles away from each other and separated by an entire mountain range. It's a genius solution, really, that somehow disenfranchises the voters and consolidates party power, all the while confusing anyone who is not intimately involved in the creation of the districts. It's like trying to find the clitoris on an octopus. Confusing, deeply disturbing, and ultimately futile because no one is even sure if an octopus has a clitoris. 
Now we come to the last piece in the broken jigsaw puzzle of our voter problem. You and me, the voters. Maybe something else sucks around here. Like the public. Yeah, the public sucks. There's a nice campaign slogan for somebody. Okay, so this part of the show is going to be just a touch tricky for me because my own personal voting record is a little spotty. I might not vote as often as I should or indeed at all. I mean, I have sometimes once in a while. So I, I don't vote in every election or any of them. But it's for reasons that make perfect sense if you happen to be me, afflicted by apathy, disgust, cynicism, and of course, my healthy dose of reality. So I understand why you don't vote. And you and I, my friends, were not alone. In 2014, only 36.4% of eligible voters turned out to see Betty down at Chester A. And that was the lowest for voter turnout since 19. 19- 42, when, to be fair, most of the eligible voters were either in basic training, deployed overseas, or turning out bullets for people who were in the military, or, you know, they were black, or Latino, or Japanese, it doesn't matter because they weren't allowed to vote anyway. As a general rule, participation is higher during the presidential elections, particularly among Democrats, but even during the presidential years, anything above 50% is considered to be like a great year because it's hard to get enthusiastic about a process that is antiquated, inconvenient, and largely irrelevant on any level higher than your city council. And I'm really just shitting you there because your city councils are just as pointless and irrelevant because most of the time the candidates are running unopposed or by some guy like Basil Marceau. So if there's Your only choice is the one choice on the ballot. Is that really even a choice at all? Wouldn't the choice be not to be, not to even participate? It's like if you showed up on the Love Connection and Chuck Willary came out and the studio audience had only one contestant to pick from and it was always the same contestant every time on every episode. Welcome to Love Connection where old-fashioned romance meets modern-day technology, where you hear all the intimate details of a first date. And now, here's the host of Love Connection, Chuck Woolery. And that's how I wound up going on three dates with Ted Cruz, which was, he was actually kind of sexy, but a bit of a tease. Never put out. Did give me a handy. Faced with apathetic voters, intractable gerrymandering, and massive Republican advantages in organizing, I I, I don't want to give away any secrets here, but the GOP has this amazing weapon in their arsenal. It's called churches. And I know it may be hard to believe that a tax-exempt organization, which is specifically barred from endorsing a candidate or even a party, routinely and extensively does exactly that. Democrats just don't Jesus like that. So we're left with huge swaths of the country essentially realizing that there's no winning, so why even play? It's a great strategy if you're playing, say, Uno with your family when you're 13. 
I don't want to play another hand, Mom. I suck at Eno. I never win. And I'm never playing Skipbo again. I'm sorry that I have some PTSD issues. I, 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 I really do. My mom was so cutthroat. Stop. Stop mocking me. Stop mocking me. Mom. I don't care if we skip boat. <laughs> Fox's Matthew Iglesias posits the strategy will be the doom of the Democrats, leading to a continued erosion of progressive ideals and a further collapse of state Democratic parties, dogs and cats living together, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Other journalists, like the Daily Beast Michael Tomoski, point out that keeping the balance in the Supreme Court, limiting the number of Bush wars, and the very real power of the presidency more than counterbalance the states. And even still, the economy is largely driven by the blue states, whose population and influence way exceeds everyone else in the flyover country. And I, I kind of lean towards Iglesias, though I think it's probably not as grim as he posits. What I do think is that we're doing a huge fucking disservice to everyone in the flyover who has to live under the yoke of the godbotherers and the T-tards, forcing their philosophies down everyone's throat like an extra in a low-rent gangbang film. Dude, just ease up, man. Don't just jam it in there. Give her a second to unhinge your jaw. I admit... I moved to a liberal place to avoid the problems of living under conservatives, and I'm a white, straight male, basically king turd of shit mountain and Republican spades. For women, minorities, gays, Muslims, vegetarian, people who don't like country music, and anyone with better than a fifth grade education, living in a red state has got to be sheer fucking hell. The people we left behind are Democrats. They're our base. And when we write them off because they are unfortunate enough to live in East Bumfuck, Oklahoma, we're doing them a disservice, and us a disservice. The migration of young, educated liberals to the coast drains off the talent that might spearhead the change that once upon a time we all just wanted to believe in. Instead, they're growing their, artis their artisanal organic marijuana in Seattle or Brooklyn, and when they decide to move to the suburbs, they raise their artisanal organic children, in all of whom are carefully Instagrammed, by the way, in exurbs of coastal cities rather than going back to their hometowns. And the people that they left behind, well, let's be honest, they're the losers, the failures, the ones too dumb or too scared to move away from home. It's a self-perpetuating spiral that produces generation after generation of Republicans, all of whom are just a little crazier than the last. And the, and the crazy ones are more likely to run for political office and more likely to get elected by the retards that they left behind. Uh, not sure how all this works out, but... For some reason, all of these angry, angry Republicans want to destroy the government that they themselves are a part of. We have to come up with a way to compete. Hell, even participate in the flyover. A way to bring progressive values out of the city and into the heartland where they are really, really, really fucking needed. Just this week, we discovered that middle-aged white men with only a high school education 
are dropping like flies from despair of living their lives as conservatives. As a liberal, it's our job to help people who can't help themselves. We need to dedicate ourselves by changing the lives of white male Christian conservatives by introducing them to Howard Zinn or protracted Bernie Sanders stump speeches. It's their only hope. To do this, someone has to go home and seriously run for political office as a Democrat. This third-party shit... It, it's just not going to fly. Look, Drew, I, I love you, and I'm really proud of what you did in Kentucky. But come on, that was never, ever going to happen. Sorry, that was a, that was a personal moment, and someone that probably doesn't even know who I am. Look, someone needs to go back to the heartland, back to the country, back to the South, and represent progressive values. Someone needs to stand up and say, look, the only person that you are fucking over is yourself. Could you just listen to me for a moment? Someone needs to say that voting Republican is going to destroy you and your family and it's driving you to an early grave. Someone needs to say that. Don't get me wrong, that someone isn't me because there is no fucking way I am going back to Tennessee. That shit is just crazy. God, I hate going down there. It's awful. Even the, even the good towns are just... No, no, no. That is it for our show this week. You must, as we are compelled to do, thank the band Hypnostate for their music and the show opening. the show opener. You can find them on gemendo.com. You know what? If you like us, you can follow us on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast. You can find us on Facebook. You can find all of our shows at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. If for some reason you don't like your friends, find us on iTunes and Stitcher and rate us, review us. Raise us up from, God, I don't know, we're so far down that there is just not a, a real number that makes it. For me, Dave Bledsoe, and all the other fictional constituents, we say, Democrats, sit down, take a look at yourselves. Don't you want to be somebody? Someday, somebody is going to see inside. You have to face up, run for office, and please, just don't hide. We'll see you guys next week. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.